Okay, we are at uh, session four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My book and my Buddhist card is two of them I can't find. Before the election, I use my passport. Well, at least you wouldn't have to vote soon. Okay. All right, we are at uh, session four. And uh, victorious. Victorious. 37. Page 37, sorry. Uh, let me begin with um, setting here. Hebrews 11 has encouraged many, many believers for a long, long time in times of persecution and in times of suffering. The word faith occurs 27 times, while the expression by faith occurs 22 times in the chapter. And so what is the chapter about? Faith. Faith. All right. It's obvious, right? Chapter 10 concluded with the exhortations that the righteous will live by faith. That's chapter 10 and verse 38. We are familiar with that phrase, right? And as believers... And believers are those who, who have faith and are saved. Figures of the past who, who by faith please God and were approved by God are used to motivate believers and encourage them to persevere. Whenever a person is going through a challenge to their faith, we often remind them of those who have gone before who exercised their faith. And we have that reminder in, in, uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 where we are made mindful of those persons who have persevered. And so we have them as examples. The first question then on page 37 is what? What are some things you can't see but you know are there? Okay, what are some of those things that we can't see but we know they are there? The air, the air that we breathe. The wind, the air. God, okay. Atoms? Can you see atoms? But you know they're there, right? Because a lot of things happen because of atoms, right? What about, uh, why do you wash your hands? Germs, right? Do you see them? Do you see viruses and bacteria? But we know they're there, that's why we wash our hands. I've got this, this, I don't know what you call it, but I worked at the bank and I was a teller for a number of years and uh, money is really, really dirty. You know that? Not only that, you don't know where it came from. And so I, I, I do have this habit, I had, to, I had to wash my hands all the time. I, I was just fanatical about washing my hands. You know, when you hear about the drug dealers, you know, the drugs get mixed up with the cocaine and all that stuff, even that stuff, money is dirty. And so I, I often tell kids, don't ever put money in your mouth. I, I see some people put money in their mouth. I say, that's, you don't know where that stuff has been. You know, and so many people are un so unsanitary today. You know, they use the, the restroom and don't wash their hands and they go and they handle the money and they go and handle food. It's just crazy. And so some of the things we can't see, the viruses and bacteria, what about emotions? Can you see that? No. Well, how do you know it there? You feel it, right? You can't see it, but you can feel it. And there's so many other things that we can see. What about light waves? You can't see the waves of light, but you see the light. 
right? I said a whole lot of things that we can't see, but we know they're there. All right, let's look then at uh, um, Bible meets life. It's hard to know what to believe anymore. The internet is filled with news on topics that range from politics to medicine, to conspiracies, and all the writers tout their stories as truth. Even though the facts they are promoting regularly contradict each other. Even worse, when you question what you read, someone will inevitably offer this jewel. I know it's hard to believe, but just accept it as truth. Take it on faith. <coughs> really? Is faith just jumping blindly into belief? Throughout the Bible, we see a whole different idea of faith. In fact, the author of the book of Hebrews captured the meaning of faith in a single chapter. In Hebrews 11, we're reminded of individuals who didn't just blindly believe something. They had true faith. Even when God called them to believe some pretty incredible things. Let's embrace a different understanding of faith from what the world describes. Hebrews 11 shows us real-life examples of people who faced overwhelming situations and yet lived faithfully through them. They were victorious because of their faith. Okay, and so what's the point of our lesson today? My faith in God makes me victorious. What makes you victorious? Faith in God. Not faith in stuff or in people. Faith in God. You know, a lot of people have faith in stuff more than they have in God. More people have faith in the vehicle that they drive than they are in God. And people have faith in a whole lot of things more than they have in God. But our faith as believers makes us victorious because our faith is in God. Okay, let's look then at the first uh, three verses on page 39. Now faith is the reality of what is hopeful. The proof of good is not seen. For by it, uh, and says this one, God approved. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Okay, we'll go on, read, continue reading the passages below. Let's start by being real clear on what is faith. Verse 1 describes how faith works and what it does. Faith is an inward conviction. Faith means trusting God and believing, even knowing that He will do what He says He will do. Because He always does. Faith gives us confidence. Faith has substance. It's an assurance based on the reality of what God has already done and said. What an example. We know the universe exists. It's here for us to touch, see, and explore. Yet for all, we've learned and keep learning about creation, science, alone, alone simply can't answer the most fundamental question about its existence. Especially the question why? Is the universe merely a giant cosmic incident? Accident. Accident. 
or is there some purpose or plan? Christians know the answer to the why. Question because of our faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. God created everything we see in order to provide a place where we could enjoy a relationship with him. We can only understand this dimension of our reality by hearing God's word and believing what he said. Our universe isn't some accident or physics. It's the international, it's intentional work of God who reveals himself first as creator. God started with nothing but brought all this that exists into being from nothing. Therefore, we can be confident and have faith that God will continue to work his will, to work his will in our world and in our lives. Okay, so when we look at uh, verse 1, the word is, and now faith is, has led many students to identify Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 as a definition of faith. Other Bible students prefer to view the emphasis as being more on what faith does rather than what faith is. What faith does is give reality to what is hoped for and provide the proof of what is not seen. That is, faith at the present time gives the believer a reality to build his or her life on. This reality is based on what is unseen. Those things hoped for, but which God has not yet brought about. So we see how important faith is? We're trusting God because of what he has already done to do what he says he will do. Interesting, isn't it? Can you read that again, please? If you don't mind. Okay, the word is... Yeah. And now faith is, has led many Bible students to identify Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 as a definition of faith. Other Bible students prefer the view to view the emphasis as being more on what faith does rather than what faith is. What faith does is give reality to what is hoped for. See that phrase, what is hoped for? And provide proof of, again that phrase in the passage, in the verse, what is not seen. That is, faith at the present time gives the believer the reality to build his or her life on. This reality is based on what is unseen. Those things hoped for, but which God has not yet brought about. Which basically means we could take God at his word. Because he has never lied. He has never failed. He does what he says he will do. And he does it in his own time and in his own way. But the important thing is he does it. Okay, he always does what he says he will do. And not only that, he says what he means and he means what he says. Isn't that so? 
I think I, I think our problem is we want to do it in our time. Mm -hmm. And I'll wait. Okay, remember um, Sarai and Abraham? You know, God says, I am going to give you. But you know, Lord, it don't look like it's working the way, you know, you want to do it. It's taking too long. Um, so, what if we just kind of help out a little bit? Okay, and we do that sometimes, don't we? God tells us he's going to do something and we said, yeah, I understand that. Uh, I believe you. But when? And God says, in the fullness of time. Remember that phrase? In the fullness of time. <laughs> that means it's going to happen. But in God's timing. I got a preacher saying, the preacher say, Abraham was glad she said, but think of the ridicule Abraham must have gone through. I mean, I mean, God changed his name. And when God, the name that God gave him meant what? The father of many. And at that time, he didn't have any. And imagine the ridicule he must have got walking out there in the fields with all his servants. And they knew his name had changed. And in those days, people always knew what the name meant because name was always significant. And imagine the mockery. There goes the father of many who doesn't have any. Uh, imagine the ridicule he must have gone through. But Abraham trusted God. He had faith in God. He believed that God will do what he says he will do. Now, Sarah was a different story. <laughs> she was a different story. All right? Uh, she said, you know, this is not going to happen. You know, I'm too old. You know. Okay, question number two. What helps you have faith in God even though you can't see him? What allows you to have faith in God even though you can't see him? Because he does what he says he will do. Okay. He does. He says he does what he says he will do. Okay. We accept faith. We accept by faith creation out of nothing, right? We accept that by faith, right? God said, you know, out of nothing God created the whole. So we do. We, we accept that. Uh, we accept faith by creation of create faith of creation out of nothing but God's spoken word. And the miracle of every baby born. That's right. Only God can make it. Exactly, because people often say that when a woman is pregnant, she's she's got one foot in the womb and one foot in the grave. Okay, you never know what's going to happen. That reminds me when my daughter was expecting and she was admitted to the hospital and they wanted to operate. All the blood was in place, everything was in place, but they still then wanted to operate on her because they had made a decision and they was, they was not sure myself, of the decision they were going to make. But what they said to us at that time, Either she live or the baby die. And she said she wanted a baby. But at the end, she had to fly, go to Miami, and lift it. And they diagnosed her right away, she had lupus. Mm. It was something they couldn't pinpoint or diagnose right away. Yeah, yeah. So now the child, she is 18, going off to college in July. Wow. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord, eh? <laughs> and she's lupus free now. Mm. She's lupus free. Okay. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, that was 19 years ago, and they 
took off all her medication. So she said I have to be careful how she choose her diet. Medical science. Yes. Okay, so as believers by faith, we stand on a long continuity with those who have built their lives on unseen truth and reality. Faith leads us to trust and rely on God. Faith is all we have. We don't have anything else other than faith. Right? So you, you see that word believing in here? Mm -hmm. You see with the words of believing? Mm -hmm. He said, my people are perishing because of lack of knowledge and then they didn't believe in me. Believe me. Mm -hmm. I know what I do and trust me. That has always been the problem. Mm -hmm. No matter what God does, no matter how much he shows himself. Look at the children of Israel going through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. God did a miracle today and the next day they rebelled. Mm -hmm. The next day they were complaining. Yeah. And God was doing miracles. Oh, miracles, things that they, people could not explain, they couldn't understand, but they knew that it was God that was doing it. Mm -hmm. God has always had a problem with his people, his children believing what he is capable of doing, even though he continues to make it evident. Okay, uh, as we move to verse 4, we'll find the first hero of faith from Hebrews 11. It may not be who you expect. So let's look at uh, uh, verse 4 on page 40. Someone read that. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts and even though he, he is dead he still speaks through his faith okay read again okay. by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did by faith he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts and even though he is dead he still speaks through his faith okay read the power grass beneath that after the writer described true faith in verse 1 to 3, he gave us several examples of people who demonstrated such faith. These heroes of faith were people just like us who saw God working in their world and found ways, sometimes dramatic and courageous ways, to join Him. We can do the same. The first example comes from the life of Abel whose full story is recorded in Genesis 4, 1 to, 1 to 10. The tra tragedy of Cain and Abel is a familiar story within our culture, although it does raise a number of questions that often go unanswered. For example, why did God reject Cain's offering but accept Abel's? We aren't told much in the scriptures about the difference between the two offerings, but the text does offer some hints. For example, Abel was careful to choose the best of his flock to offer God. See Genesis 4.4. On the other hand, Cain seemed to have been careless in what he chose for his offering. In other words, it wasn't the offering them, offerings themselves that made them acceptable or unacceptable. It was the attitudes behind those offerings. As noted earlier, Faith is confidence and trust in God. It's a response to who God is, what he says, and how he has worked. Abel expressed, what, uh, Abel expressed that confidence and trust, that faith, through his worship. Cain had no faith in God, and as a result, his offering was a ritual. 
not a true act of faith and worship. Cain's offering simply didn't mean much to him. Therefore, it doesn't mean much to God. Our confidence that God alone is God and no one is like him affects our choices and actions. Since no one is greater than God, why would we want to bring less than our best to him? Okay, let's look at those two verses that is mentioned there. Genesis 4, 4. Yeah. Genesis 4, 4 and 4, 3. Genesis 4, 4. Genesis 4, 9, verse 4. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Okay, go back, go back up now and read verse 3 of chapter 4, Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Chapter 4, verse 3. Chapter 4, verse 3. When I, when I, you read verse 4. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Okay, what's the difference we see there in both of them? Verse 4 and verse 3. Okay, um, what does the verse say? Look at the text. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Okay, now what does verse 4 say about Abel's offering? And Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lamb. Oh, I see. So he brought a lamb, which is blood. You're talking about blood here, right? No, he brought the best. He brought the best. the best. Okay, it says he brought the best. What does Cain brought? Just some. Anything goes. All right? Anything goes. Or some, oh, I see now, I see. You see it? Yeah. Okay, he brought. It's a different thing. Okay, let's look at some of the points there on that, in that paragraph on page 40. Uh, the first point is, after the writer described true faith in verses 1 to 3, he gave, he gave us several examples of people who demonstrated such faith. And then the second point is, the first example comes from the life of Abel, as we as mentioned in the first story in Genesis chapter 4, the first 10 verses. And we know the story quite well, don't we? We've heard it many times growing up in Sunday school, we heard the story over and over. But many people don't understand why God accepted one and didn't accept the other. Okay, and we saw that just now in terms of... I see that. And that just came on to me just now. Mm -hmm. You see? So it's good to stand here and look at this mm -hmm. Trust me, that just came. He brought the best. Mm -hmm. He one brought something, but one brought... But we're going to see something else as we move on. The third point is, as noted earlier, faith is confidence and trust in God. It's a response to who God is, what he says, and how he has worked. Abel expressed that confidence and trust, that faith, through his worship. That brings us to question number three. What is the relationship between faith and genuine worship? What did we read in that paragraph? About that. confidence in, in, in God, right? We saw something about that in the paragraph we just read, right? What's the relationship between faith and genuine worship? 
clearly delineated between Abel and Cain's actions in their offerings, what they provided. Well, Abel's life of faith teaches us right at the start of the list that faith leads one to worship God. When you have faith, that faith propels you to worship God because of what, who he is and what, he's, what, he's, what he does. Abel not only shows us that true faith leads us to worship God, but also that there's a right way to worship the Lord, and that involves a proper heart attitude. That's the difference. Abel's attitude prompted him to give the very best to God. Cain's attitude is, well, God wants an offering again. Anything you'll do. Isn't that happen? Doesn't that happen today? Yeah. People want to pacify God. They want to, they, they want to make God feel as if they're doing what he, what he wants them to do, but their heart is not in it. Isn't their attitude is, is wrong. Okay, and we see that in, in terms of uh, these two men. And so the, the relationship between faith and genuine worship is a proper heart attitude, right? You have the right attitude. Your attitude, what did it say? What did it say about attitude? Attitude determines your altitude. That's been a saying for a long time, right? But whatever we do, remember the Bible talks about doing things without murmuring and complaining. That comes from an attitude too, right? Children of Israel, back to them again. A lot of things they did, they, they had a bad attitude toward God. No matter what God did, they were always griping, complaining. They had an attitude problem. And so the relationship between faith and genuine worship is a proper attitude, as we see in the life of Cain and Abel. All right, uh, we have an exercise there on uh, page 41. Uh, let's look at that. Anybody did that? Okay, what does it say? Hebrews 11 lists several heroes of, heroes of faith from the Old Testament. Use the space below to identify people you have admired for their faith, both now and in the past. Uh, and this could be anybody that you think of who demonstrated a life of faith that you said, boy, I'd like to have faith like that person. Or see something that they've done and say, boy, that's that's really great. Abraham, okay. Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Job. Okay. Who else? A friend of mine, her daughter. Okay. Anybody in real life other than Bible characters? <laughs> yeah, uh, the um, orphanage in uh, Myanmar that uh, the Lord used Chris World to bring mm -hmm. to our attention and all. You know, that started by faith, trusting in God, and he's carried them through. Amen. The fellow that I work with in Jacksonville, Florida, boy, his faith is amazing. Um, he had, um, he did everything by faith. I mean, you would look at some of the things that he did and I said, wow, how would you do that? But he did everything. He trusted God for everything. He moved his family from Nassau to Savannah, Georgia by faith. Because he believed that's where, that's where God wanted them to be. He had just built a brand new house for, him, for his wife in Seabreeze. And they had uh, eight children. And uh, had his own business. Successful business. He was the youngest 
three-phase electrician in the Bahamas? Why the first Paradise Island bridge? You know, why the first hotel on Paradise Island? And he went into a prison in Savannah, Georgia one time on a, on a, on a trip. And an inmate said to him after he finished uh, studying with him, do you really have to go? And he came back home and he was convicted by that. And he was so convicted that he believed that God wanted him to go to Savannah to minister in the prisons. He packed up everything, sold his business, sold his house and moved to Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> and when I met him, when I met him, uh, he had been commuting from Georgia to Jacksonville to do ministry in the inner cities because he had a passion. He felt God wanted them to reach those people in the inner cities. Nobody wanted to go in the inner cities. You know, the crime is so bad, when you hear a loud noise, you hit the floor because it was gunshots. Okay, we went there. I went there one time, uh, a church went there uh, to help him out in a week of meetings, and we had a little tent set up on this property, and we would have chairs set up under the tent with the little pigtail light bulbs, and the crime was so bad, not only did we have to take all the chairs with us every evening when we left, we had to screw out all the light bulbs because the people would steal them. So every, the only thing we left was a little pulpit, a little boat in there. And it had a cross on it. They look, guys, not going to bother with that. But for a whole week, we had to do that. And then one time he and his wife were moving. They were moving. They had a van. They were moving from, from Savannah to Jacksonville. They had the van packed up with all their belongings. And the devil struck. The devil attacked. The van broke down. He just got in his van because he wanted to drive around the neighborhood and pick up children to go to Sunday school. They didn't have no Sunday school there. He didn't go to the start of church, but a little lady, elderly lady who was attending the Bible studies that he was a part of said, you know, Brother Mallory, I've got a little building there you could use for a church. No, I didn't come here to start a church. But eventually he started a little church called Calvary Bible Chapel. You know, and uh, had started to have meetings and uh, family members came and others came. But when his wife and him were traveling to Jacksonville on the highway, the van had some problems and he was trying to get it going. And he's feeding uh, gasoline into the carburetor to keep it going and it caught fire. And uh, he told his wife to get behind the wheel and keep it going, keep driving. And uh, the van bent off to the side of the road. And he got pinned, the van, the door, the only door out was pinned up against a tree. And he told his wife to bail out. She jumped out. And these are people in their 50s, 60s. Well, she jumped out and she broke her ankle in the process. He couldn't get out of the van because the fire, the flame was coming in from the back. And he, to this day, he still doesn't know how he got out. He still doesn't, he said, he don't know how he found the strength to push that door open to get out. But he said he felt the strong presence of Satan there to try to stop it by faith. And the property, what was interesting was uh, we, we came back home and I was, I was, uh, I was after that week of meetings day, I came back home convicted, Lord, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people, we reached a lot of people in the, in the, in the, in the inner cities, but these people need follow up. Who's going to follow up? There's nobody to follow up. And God convicted us to go. And we packed up all our belongings and stole them our stuff and we went. And we spent five years there helping them out, you know, and uh, it, was, it, was a, it was an amazing thing what you do by faith. I remember the first Sunday evening we were sitting having dinner and he was trying to get the property where that tent was set up. And he found out that the owner of the property had, had died and the, the family was trying to clear the estate. And while we were sitting there at dinner, the people called him and made him an offer that he couldn't believe. They said, we'll give you the property for the money you offered to buy it for. The only thing is we ask is that you do the legwork. 
by faith. He was trusting that God would provide that property, and he did. By faith. But let me stop right there because we can go on. <laughs> but the point is how God moves and works in the lives of people by faith. And I could tell you, go on and tell you how we had to raise our own funds to go there to do the work because even though we had a religious visa, the visa uh, said that you have to raise all of your support for the five years that you're going to be there. And amazing how people came through. People who, it's amazing. By faith, we trusted God, we believed that God wanted us to go there, and God moved all by faith. There's some people that, and the money kept coming every month, the money would come for us to live for the whole five years, and it was frightening when we came back home because the visa would be renewed every year, and you never know, when the embassy, those embassy folks are funny people. You don't know if they're going to renew you for another year, even though the visa was for five years. You had to come back and you had to show all the proof of your support each year. And then they would stamp your approval before you go another, for another year. It was amazing, but it was all by faith. So God moves and works in the lives of his people. How? By faith. By faith. Okay, let's look at the other passage. Boy, time is really going here. Uh, verses 5 and 6 on page 42. By faith Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The author of Hebrews referred to Enoch for his second example of a person who lived by faith. We know very little about Enoch, but what we do know is extraordinary. The entire fifth chapter of Genesis is a genealogy that prepares us to meet another man of faith named Noah. That's in Genesis 6, 1 through chapter 9, 29, and Hebrews 11, 7. As we read through this genealogy, we get the impression that life seemed to go on fairly normally <coughs> after the time of Cain and Abel. People were born, got married, had children, and died. Then there was Enoch in Genesis 5, 21-24. When Enoch was 365 years old, quote-unquote, he was not there. Why? Because quote unquote, God took him away. <laughs> Enoch never died. He simply went from walking with God in this life to walking with God in eternity. Amen. That's all we're told. The author of Hebrews noted that Enoch's faith, his confidence in God's future, was the key to this new reality. Amen. Okay. Um, let's look at question number four. Because uh, time is really wrapping up on us here. Mm -hmm. What characteristics describe a person who walks with God? We just read about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, let's answer the question. What characteristic describes a person who walks with God? Confidence in God. They seem to be at peace as well. Okay. Enoch's example. Okay. He walked with God. In the writer of Hebrews drew a, a general principle and universal biblical truth. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Universal principle and universal Bible truth. To please God, we must be persons of faith. That's the only way to please God. There are a lot of people who are trying to please Him in other ways. 
both Abel, as we saw in, the, in Hebrews 4, 11, 4, and Enoch, as we saw in verse 5, were approved by God because of their lives of faith. You want God to approve you? What do you got to do? Have a life of faith. Live by faith. If we are to please God and be approved by him, we must be characterized by the same kind of faith as Abel and Enoch. We saw what God did in their lives because of their faith. Amen? Okay, uh, let's look at question number five. What kinds of rewards do we experience when we exercise faith? We all like rewards, right? <laughs> what kind of rewards? And we look at the text here, what kind of rewards do we expect to receive? Our faith grows. Our faith yes. grows. That's right. True faith also believes this unseen God rewards those who seek him. Okay? God is a rewarder of those who what's the Bible? diligently seek him. To seek God describes those who rely on and trust God and his promises. The rewards are not earthly and material, and that's important to remember, but heavenly and eternal. One verse, a uh, couple of verses remind us of that, that God is both the rewarder and, 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 the, and the reward. He's both the rewarder and the reward. Uh, and we see that in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 34 to 36. And I'm going to read it here in the New Living Translation for the sake of time. It says, uh, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken, taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Verse 35. So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Verse 36. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive what he has promised. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Boy, time is gone, but let's look at live out as we wrap up here. Page 43. Page 43? Yeah, the reading. Brother Randy. Okay, let's finish that then. Brother Randy. Why we does that? Why not just leave that and then we do it up? So we get we you can't be screwed. So just leave it. If we don't can't get stain it, please. <laughs> and every and every setting we go to right through, we always have to rush it, leave it. And then we discuss it so we can enjoy it next time. Because right now I'm I'm kind of lost to me. <laughs> I'm just tired of it. I don't know. Let's finish the, the let's finish the reading then on page 40, 43. Go to page forty three. You say it's a bad time for you, but it's a good time for you. When you have time for it, no, we got time. But maybe I want to like tonight. Yes, we could do we could do at the beginning of the next session. Okay, because we want we don't want to miss anything. Okay, all right. We'll pick up on page forty three. When we come back, uh, so that we'll be able to uh, understand it and enjoy it and appreciate it. Yeah.